So welcome to another show. So today we have Gerald Shane Wolf on, um, and we're here to discuss uh, the issues with guns in America and whether or not it is a cultural issue or whether or not it is the accessibility to guns. Um, Gerald is an author and a psychoanalyst. So welcome to today's show, Gerald. Thank you for having me. So which of those do you think is the issue? Do you think it's the accessibility to guns or the culture that's the issue? Uh, I definitely think it's the culture. Uh, you know, uh, I have I did a lot of research when I was writing my book, uh, The Mass Killer, uh, six case histories that tell us why. Uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there have been a lot of people who every time there's a mass killing, and it seems like there's one every other week in America, there are a lot of people who quickly say it's the accessibility of guns. But, uh, you know, we've had guns in America since the beginning of this country, which is a very young country. Um, and uh, But mass killings have been happening in the last uh, three or four decades. And uh, so the reason they've been happening in the last three or four decades is because I think our, our culture has become uh you know sick in the last four decades so so what do you mean by sick is it the general degeneracy of society is it the increase in pagan sort of behaviors and the demise of religion and ethics and values or is it something else now i just want to put a caveat onto this as well is you mentioned that it's not the accessibility to guns now I'm not saying it is or I'm not saying it isn't, but with that, as with any sort of experiment, you would have something of a similar nature to compare it to. So, for example, let's say the UK had guns and we both had guns, the UK and the USA, you could then, because that is a consistent um, measure within that analysis, you could then compare the cultural differences. So is there anywhere really that you could compare the accessibility to with regards to America and obviously the Second Second Amendment. Yeah, well, I didn't do any comparison studies with other countries, but I, I did find out that there are twice as many mass killings in America than there are in any other country in the world. Um, so why? Why are there twice as many mass killings? Guns are accessible in other countries. Uh, I don't know what the laws are in in uh, the UK, but but they're they're available in other countries too. But, yeah. but yet America has twice as many mass killings. Uh, so that that kind of speaks for the evidence that it's not the accessibility of guns. But also, as I said before, guns have always been accessible in America, always. But only in the last three decades have mass killings mushroomed in the united states but is is there then two issues is it that number one could be the accessibility of guns that could be a small increase against other nations and then secondly it's the culture that has caused the large recent increase in gun uh in, in mass mass deaths so for example and this alludes to your point, I suppose. I think it's I don't know if you you'll maybe be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but is Chicago the number one for 
gun uh, issues and it's illegal to own a gun in Chicago. Yeah. So um, what does that tell us? Right. Uh, I think Chicago has a violent uh, culture. Uh, you know, there, there, there. There's more uh, murders there, I think, than any any other city in the United States. Uh, but you know, in my book, I, I I'm a psychoanalyst, and I I concentrated on the the psychological aspect of this, um, and that's a more complicated thing than looking at the number of guns. Uh, that that's a simple explanation, but looking at the psychology. Uh, of what has been happening to our culture, what's been happening to families in the United States, uh, that's a more complicated thing. Um, so, so, so what has happened then? So from your conclusions and obviously your book, what have you found? You mentioned family there. Is it the breakup of the nuclear family that's, that's caused this? Is it the increase in... Um, homosexuality is it the demise in family values is it the increase in materialism is it the increase of status requirements is it the decrease of compassion and gratitude well, might... is it all of those things all of those things are combined in that you know uh i think that uh, you know right now over one third of american families are one parent families you, generally uh you know female-centered families. And, and that, that, is, that statistic is rising. Uh, so that's not good if there are no fathers present. Uh, the uh, families these days, because of the feminist movement, families emphasize, they, they favor girl children and they disfavor boy children. Uh, and as a result of that, Boys are lagging. They're, they're, you know, they're, they, they, they're lagging in high school. They're lagging behind in college. You know, girls now outnumber boys in undergraduate programs. Uh, they outnumber boys in, in college programs. Uh, there are more female managers than boys. Uh, you know, women are being favored. Uh, if you look at TV, you find more women anchors than uh, than than male yeah. I think I think uh, this is a, a secondary issue. Well, this is a a fundamental societal issue, though, isn't it? That the 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 male the male patriarchal model, the masculine model, is being um, seen as to be a bad thing. To be a strong male who runs a family that is, you know, builds up a family, and it comes down to many issues for me. So. In in even I think they use alimony as the term in in the United States. If if a man gets a female pregnant and they split up, then alimony is paid to the woman. So what they are basically saying that it's the man's problem always that a child is born and not the woman's problem. Yet the woman gets freedom of choice for her body by murdering a child in an abortion. Yes, exactly. Uh, everything, all the laws, especially since the feminist movement began in the last hundred years of feminism, uh, there have been passed hundreds of new laws favoring women. Yeah. Uh, and uh, people have not really been paying attention to what's been happening. Uh, and then now in, in recent times, laws have been passed favoring transgender, transgender people. And in Canada, 
as you probably know, they passed a law uh, where, where a person can be fined up to $2,000 for using the wrong pronoun uh, when they address a, a transgender person. But the thing uh, is, this, all, all of this points towards, for me anyway, the the trying to, the removal of strong father figures. Because if you look at the stats, even in the United States, the majority of men that are in prison are from single female households, mother households, not from the not from single male households. Because when they are from single male households, you have a strong father figure to help bring you up, and it's just the way that it is. Unfortunately, when you have a mother, and no one's discrediting the work a mother does. But you you do need a male figure there to emulate and to build discipline from, which you don't you just don't get from a female in charge, unfortunately. No, you don't. And males are. Sorry, yeah, it's it's males are very uh, uh, necessary for families, and that's something that we have discovered. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, in this rush to to uh, discredit males by the feminists and, and so forth and uh, toxic masculinity and all of that stuff. Uh, it, what we overlooked was that, you know, hey, what about toxic femininity? Feminism itself, it has been quite toxic uh, to to uh, Western culture. Uh, and and uh, we need to stand back and take a look at what what has been happening. And and so Absolutely. most of the mass murderers are are white males, uh, and and I think they have been harmed by what's happening not only in families but in our the div divisive culture in the United States. Uh, the, this when you have a divided culture. Uh, you know, like if you have a divided family where the husband and wife is always fighting, that that affects the children very much. Uh, you know, and when you have a divided culture, that affects each citizen who lives in that culture. Uh, it's a very restless culture. Yeah. Uh, and there's no one single value system anymore uniting the culture. Uh, and so the culture is at war. And so every individual is at war. Uh, white males who grow up in this culture have no one to turn to. No one's listening to them. So they, where they have a traumatic childhood, uh, they, they don't have the kind of family integrity that would help them out. And yeah. then they, they grow up in this kind of traumatic situation in the family then they go into a traumatic situation in culture, which reinforces uh, the trauma that was done in the family. And uh, it's a dysfunctional nature, though, isn't it, of society in general? And the way that nowadays, especially with smartphones and the fact that males and females both go to work, no family values can be installed, instilled rather, into the youth of today. And therefore, the state essentially brings up the children in a way that encourages transgender encourages all these other behaviors so for example if i chop my arm off you're probably going to call me a, a little bit mental a little bit nuts but if i chop my you know my my reproductive organ off i'm seen as a hero exactly the values that are are happening now uh are are splintered and 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 uh 
the you know the these movements like the feminist movement and the and the gay movement and now the transgender movement they're 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 uh they're fighting you know whoever has who, the squeaky wheel gets the worm right and and these movements are the squeaky wheels of society and uh the transgender movement is loud and and pushy and so everybody is intimidated the the gay movement was loud and pushy the black movement was loud and pushy the the uh the women's movement was loud and pushy whoever is the pushiest and the loudest everybody has to listen to them and their values are adopted whether they're scientifically accurate or not and uh and so people are like getting operations now to remove their genitals uh and change to another uh gender uh and then they later regret it they they, they you know they they they're, they're yeah. in the they're they're in the rush of this hysteria that's encouraging them to do all this before, even before the age of 2 or 3 they're encouraged to, to do it yeah exactly uh, and they're not they're not they don't have an ego that's strong enough yet to think for themselves but uh, they they're they're encouraged to think that they can think for themselves even at that age. Yeah, I mean, and, as a kid, you know, people wanted to be unicorns. They wanted to be superheroes. I mean, even up to the age of twenty-one, you don't really know what you want to be in life. You don't know if you want to be a doctor or an accountant or a sportsman, whatever it's going to be. So again, as you said, the the the, the fact that they're pushing this is, is is a question in itself. But there's there's really more to it than that, though, isn't there? There's a question of why. Is this being forced? Number one, and two, what are the other issues? Not just the sexual side of things, because that's just one side. What are the other selfish-based philosophies that people have? Hedonism, as opposed to like utilitarianism, on the whole, for example, a sense of community and giving to people. It's always about take, take, take. It's a question for me: How do we change those things? Because I think the sexual sides and all of that is, is secondary. How can we, instead of segregating people, bring people together? We are all human beings. Don't label people as white male, black male, female, this, that. We're all individuals and we're all trying to get to the same the same goal. We got to this point throughout history with traditional values, traditional roles, traditional um, thought processes, um, and working hard, not through Instagram models and not through um um you know instagram influences this is how we got to that point but then you could ask a secondary question or tertiary question to that is it the case of hard times create strong men strong men create good times and good times create weak men is that where we are today in the west well yeah i i, I think uh, you know uh, the, the the worst people are being listened to because they're they're shouting the the, the loudest uh, I, I do believe that we we're in the the last stage of of decadence, you know, or at least at the middle of it right now. Okay, so what can we do? What can we do? You ask to unify uh, culture again. Well, I've, I have about three or four ideas about that in the book. Um, one of them is I would have if I were were in the government or the president or whatever, I, I would have bi-weekly town halls. I would have bi-weekly national town halls where all people from all walks of life could express themselves. We would have representative people come to these town halls every two weeks. 
and they would be encouraged to express their opinions, and they would all come from a different place, of course. And the the rules would very strongly uh, discourage anyone from trying to shout down anyone or talk over anyone the way people have been doing now uh, on panels or on television. No one would be will able, if, if they started shouting somebody down or talking over them, they would be asked to leave the forum. Okay. So, so everyone would, would be able to, to express their, their views in a, an equal way. And I think this would, this would bring about unity because in this forum, everyone would be equal. Conservatives, liberals, uh, in-betweens, uh, college professors, blue-collar blue workers, they would all have the same right to express their opinions. And I, I think this would cut through the bullshit. Okay. And, but you know, isn't that fairly idealistic, though? Because aren't you going to have the same issue with political correctness undertones, that if someone says something that they feel strongly about and it's voiced and it's something that's very public, and then, you, I mean, we've seen it, haven't we, where people have been sacked for saying something on Twitter, of all things, and they've been sacked for it. No, no, but that's what happened. To remove, like I know um, Donna White, the UFC president, was asked to remove his support for Donald Trump by his sponsors. Isn't now, because of the police political correctness that we have, and because of this, this is how you should um, live, this is the wokeness that you should embody, isn't that going to cause the same issue with your with your sort of solution to, to this problem? Town, town hall. No, because wokeness would not prevail in the town hall. In the town hall, it would be free speech and it would be moderated by people trained uh, not to allow anybody to try to dominate the proceedings, uh, no matter whether they're politically correct or conservative or whatever their leaning is, they would not be able to dominate the proceedings. No value system would dominate the proceedings. But what about if, if integrity was was questionable? What if, if people had been paid off to then be part of this agenda? How how would you combat that? Because that is there, something that does does exist in today's day and age. There isn't there would be no agenda. This is this is free speech. Everyone's everyone would, would be free to say whatever their point of view is. Nobody would be censored because they were politically incorrect or not woke or, or anything like that. It's it's just everyone speaks. And that and that climate in which everyone is everyone's point of view is equal would would uh, <clears throat> I think encourage unity. Because once everybody's equal and everybody sees, you know, people who would be trying to pull, trying to act like their view is more important than anybody else's view, that would be that would become evident in such a town hall. The, the, the problem is, though, is that if you speak to most people down the pub or at a bar or your friendship circles, they agree with the sentiment that most men and most people in general would agree with. The problem is, is that if you mentioned free speech, is free speech even really a thing anymore? In well, it, reality? it would be on this on this town hall. Okay, okay I'm, I'm talking in idealistic terms. Yeah, idealistic I, terms. Okay, I understand that you you know it, it seems like that's impossible in today's day and age. But uh, okay, that's one of my ideas. Then the another idea uh, is to. Um, 
you know, with regard to to cultural to political groups, I would I would have the gov the government would, would would political groups like the, the the black rights group, the feminist group, the transgender group, they would have to register with the government. We cannot let political groups take over a culture. But but aren't aren't every group political groups aren't um, uh, Caucasian groups political groups aren't Asian groups political groups? All political groups would have to register with the government, regardless of whether they were Asian, black, white, uh, women, men. They would all have to register with the government and follow certain rules. But again, doesn't that segregate people? And put them as part of this is this is how I um, acknowledge myself. This is how I represent myself, as opposed to everyone's an individual and everyone's part of a collective. Because you know, what's the, is it an anarchist who doesn't believe in in having a government? Yeah, do you believe that we should still have governments, or do you believe that we don't need governments anymore as part of this? Register your group and work in a maybe utilitarian way that everyone should be or you should make everyone as happy as they possibly can be to the best no, possible. If, you know, of course, if, if, they, if people, every group has to register with the government, then you're making the government stronger. That's the whole point. You're making the government stronger and you're, and you're taking away the power of these political groups that all want to, they want, the reason anyone goes to a political group is for power. That's, that's the only reason they do it. Uh, people, you know, there have been studies, the uh, the true believer, the true believer studies, uh, which which indicate that people join political groups because they feel powerless in their individual lives. They're not they're not uh, act actualized in their individual lives. Okay. So they join political movements and they can immediately feel powerful okay. and they, they can act out their anger. Uh, and um, so the government needs to be in in control of of those of those groups not the groups being in control of the government okay. so what about what about this then so governments we elect them don't we so we elect governments yet they monitor us should we not be monitoring those who we've elected well we do that at the polls at the political elections we elect them and if they don't do well then we cannot elect them again but but but, how, but we don't monitor them enough really to make a sound judgment do do we whereas they monitor everything we do how much tax we pay what we do on our phones what we search for uh you know i mean china for example they've got the social credit scoring but we don't do that with those in charge surely if if we elect them and should we monitor them more really and the agendas that they're trying to put on us well that that's a very uh interesting question you know some people say in, in America, for example, that that the people who are elected to office don't really run anything anyway. Uh, the shadow they're, governments. They're, yeah, the shadow that the CIA actually, uh, you know, and 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 rich corporations uh, actually run run things. Yes, certain and, families. And and that the that the president of the United States is really just a puppet puppet government. So it's a complicated okay. question. Yeah. So, OK, so coming back to some of your solutions then. so what other solutions do you have? I think you said three so far. What other solutions do you have to said, try and to, fix the, the gun, the gun and crime uh, within the United oh, States? OK, another one is about families. I, I, I think that 
families need to be strengthened. And I, I think that, uh, you know, when when the, parent, the quality of parenting has become very bad. So in order to improve that, I think, I think parents should have to be licensed. You should have to be licensed before you can be a parent. I mean, for God's sakes, you have to be licensed to be a barber. You have, a, you have to have a license to go fishing. Okay, okay. So, okay, let's let's put a spanner in the works here, though. Who then specifies how you generate that license? Because, as you said, in, in Canada, they're encouraging parents to transgender their kids. And if they don't let them, they take the kids off them. Isn't that then a bad thing, that you have to have a license to be a parent on the basis that they will make you conform to... Um, to bad um, and and degenerate behaviours. Like for me, for example, one of the biggest changes they made in the past that has caused real issues with today's society is that you're no longer allowed to hit children. When that is discipline and that is essentially helping them to change. As soon as you took that away and took away caning in schools, look how undisciplined kids are. Is that what you mean? Do you mean an idealistic set of standards that that parents need to conform to in order to ensure a future generation of those that are morally and ethically healthy, let's say. Well, you know, um, that's two different matters. One is parent training and the other is just licensing parents. Now the, the, the first part licensing parents, it's, it's like, uh, uh, you have to get a hunting license. Why? Because we want to make sure that the people we're giving the license to hunt are not psychopathic, uh, you, you know. So the reason you give a parenting license is the same thing. You want to make sure the parents are not psychopathic. You want to make sure they're not schizophrenic. Uh, you, you want to make sure they're, they're, they're not uh, borderline or, or uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> Some 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 severe kind of neurosis that would impair them as far as being able to be good parents. It's just a basic weeding out process. You want parents that are basically sane and sound and can raise healthy children. But isn't that going to then go down the path of eugenics, much like Adolf Hitler and many others have tried to do? Yeah, well, everybody, whenever you talk about these things, people always go to the extreme. Oh, well, if you if you start registering parents, that 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 means uh, that you're mind control or, or something like that. You know, no, you're you're if you license barbers, does that mean that that then, uh, you know, no, nobody's going to be a barber anymore because you're, you're, you're starting to license them, you know? But yeah, but, yeah, but cut, cut, cutting hair is very different to. Uh, to eugenics in in in, in that. hair is a simple thing, whereas raising a child is the most complicated thing that anybody can do. And we're going to just let them anybody who wants to do it. Yeah, it's a right though, isn't it? To have you know to to to. Oh, it's not a right. What makes it a right? What makes that a what, right? What makes it not a right? Because we have to do something about the increase of mental illness in society we got to do something but about is, but is but is mental illness just down to genetic factors or is it cultural factors as well well we can't control genetics but we can control we, we, we can we can control genetics actually by selective breeding well which, okay which is eugenics yeah. basically yeah and it's saying oh if you wanted the the highest iq tallest individual 
you well, we're not saying that. scientists. But no, but again, if That's you call parenting and saying, well, if someone's schizophrenic, they can't have children. I know what you're saying. You're trying to get rid of those inherent diseases, but then how far do you go? Do you look at secondary carrier genes rather than just primary genes? Because generally, if someone has a disease, it's from two second two carriers that have created a, a tertiary baby um, that has that inherent disorder. Then do you go down the Down syndrome route and look at the chromosomes, etc.? How far do you go with this idea? Yeah. Well, we also we're also talking about you know uh, nature versus nurture. Uh, there's been a, a you know a historical argument whether nature or nurture is is uh, responsible for uh, personality formation. Okay, I I come down in favor of of nurture. I I believe that that nurture is by and far the the thing how how one is treated how, how one is parented that's by far what what creates personality uh i don't think it is involved in personality formation so therefore uh you know i believe that if if we we need to we need to have some standards about how we parent people that that's really a crucial thing uh as far as being able to restore sanity to culture could could we not fix this in the schools though by well, um, I, I, teaching people basic things like instead of spending time learning about gender studies and spending time learning about wokeism and all this rubbish go back to old school old school you know learn how to do a good job learn how to have pride in your work learn how to to care for others and not be selfish i mean school for example for me has so many bad things it teaches you to not question authority it teaches you not to work in groups because that's cheating and um, all of these things make you oh, failure is bad as well if you fail it's bad all these things actually teach you to be bad in life and not good we should learn how to work together we should actually question authority we should understand that failure is part of the process. The more we fail, the more we succeed in the long term. We need to encourage these behaviours at a young age because the problem is now they don't even let you give out medals for, for kids who win because it's seen as bad for the kids that lose. We need to bring back that competitive nature. We need to bring back um, and masculinity, especially for the boys, of course. We need to bring back um, discipline, a lot of these things, because actually... Even if we do those changes today, as you said, it's going to take 20, 30 years for that actually to build a society and a generation. And the, the speed that we're going down this rabbit hole is so fast. We don't want to get to a point where it's irrecoverable, where it's idiots raising idiots. And, you know, we have AI doing everything. We have um, um, robots doing everything. We can't even drive anymore. We can't even clean up anymore. We can't even cook anymore. It's all it's all done for us, and we then lose capabilities cognitively, and then we have children that then lose cognitive ability, and it's a it's, it's a it's a cycle that diminishes. And then you're at a point in twenty thirty years time where we've got less less population, the infrastructure is just eroding and crashing, and then we're a civilization that goes to no to nothingness. Yeah, well, education is another is another subject, and I I think that you're you're absolutely right. We should we're we got to eliminate uh, you know propaganda t 
teaching from our uh, educational systems, and, and we have to start teaching the basics again. But I think that one important thing should be added, and that is, I think everybody should go through a form of psychotherapy uh, as part of their formal education in, in school. It could, it could start in, even in elementary. People don't learn how to live. They learn how to use math and 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 writing and and uh, history, but they don't learn how to live. And psychotherapy is would be a course that would help you to know yourself and to learn how to live. And yeah, I think definitely. Added to the curriculum. Yeah, I think I think you 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 spot on. I think introspection, psych psychology, your own psychology, philosophy, understanding how to ask questions, how ethics works how um uh, metaphysics works all of these sorts of things and actually how a healthy society should work if you ask a four-year-old should people steal or should people help each other they would say people should help each other yet why don't you behave like that again mm. is, it, is it the instagram culture of the rat race that's causing you to do that is it i mean you see these videos like where people have basically ripped people off they've bought something from from a target or wherever sold it online for triple the price and made a profit and people love it they go oh my god you're you know you're so clever you're such a businessman actually you you've basically shafted some people so i mean capitalism i think is still the best system but for, for some people and very small parts of capitalism cause real issue for for people um and that's probably a whole separate conversation anyway as to what i think economically should be the way forward but i think there's there's as as you've spoken about education the family there's there's problems in all areas of what makes up a life and it's uh, i mean i agree with you i think it's all of those areas that create an increase in in crime and degeneracy etc but i do still think that the increased accessibility to guns in america does have an impact because you can carry weapons and i agree with the second amendment in respect of tyrannical governments um but I, I, I i'm still with you though in terms of education does and is important because if you gave zen buddhists all guns they still wouldn't shoot each other oh yeah buddhism is one of the most uh, you know all religions have have, have caused wars you know, most of the wars that have been fought in, in the history of the world have been fought on behalf of a, of a religion. But the Buddhist religion is the only religion, I think maybe there was only one war in all of history that was fought on behalf of Buddhism. And, and that was a form of Buddhism that was a, a big, a severe offshoot of what Buddhism actually is. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, it's it all comes down to the individual's you can put a Ferrari in the hands of Michael Schumacher and it will drive really well. You put the same Ferrari in the hands of a four-year-old and, you know, that four-year-old's dead. Um, so, you know, it's 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 a combination of the weapons available and the individual using them. And I think that's what we, the whole argument is about, isn't it? Is it the weapons? Is it the individual and the society? Or is it a combination of both um, that's caused caused a massive issue. So, in terms of your book, then, where can people get hold of your your book um, and read about your your solutions for for current world events or current world problems? Should I say? Okay, my my book is is available on uh, at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, and 
you know, uh, probably other places that I don't know about, but those two places for sure. Uh, you can get it in paper or or in uh, Kindle or the ebook. Um, <clears throat> Fantastic! And if anyone wants to reach out to you and, and maybe get a bit more insight into to your thought process, can they reach out to you somewhere as well? Or well, I have some websites. One one is uh, the Mass Killer dot uh dot com themasskiller.com you can find out much more about this book and and the reviews it's gotten uh i have a a, a, a psychology website called dr shanawolf.com um and uh i i have a my own publishing company where i publish my own books through amazon uh and that company is called uh the uh, living center press dot us so you can reach me through th those three places uh in in particular fantastic well we'll put those on the on the notes um for, for the for the show is there any final comments that you want to mention maybe some of the uh, a solution that we've maybe missed or any final points about anyone who's listening about how they can help to change the world well I think I would just encourage people to read my book. It's it's a very readable book. People tell me they can't put it down because it, it focuses on six case histories of the most famous mass killers. So you get to know these mass killers uh, firsthand and, and to see how they developed, how their personality. I go very back into their early childhood to show how their each of their personalities developed and how it it. Uh, kept being uh you know at odds with with society so that that's i would i would just urge people to read the book because i think once you read it you'll have a different understanding the, these these mass killers are tragic figures they just didn't get what they needed uh in in a sick society yeah i mean i'm i'm with you with you know you mentioned the psychoanalysis i think that's something that should be in schools and in workplaces employed by states to constantly look at where the psychology of individuals are because you can start to see habits that develop that people start shooting off the rails and if you don't hit that in the bud sooner rather than later that's where you know issues can arise let's say someone is turn does turn into a mass murderer and they murder four five people the families that are affected can then go into psychological issues themselves and then they can pass that on. It's something that massively spreads. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with that. Um, as I just said, we'll put everything in the show notes. Um, and thank you very much, Gerald, for, for being on the show and talking about something that's so close to your heart. Thank you for having me and for, for having such a lively conversation about it. Fantastic, Gerald. Have a great day. You too.